It's very individual, but the bottom line is, is to always remember that if we don't care for ourselves, then the whole ship will sink. It will mm -hmm. sink and we're going to go down with it. Again, you know, it depends on the individual. It depends on where they're at in their life, how old they are, how much work they've done on themselves, you know, what's going on, what kind of resources they have. Welcome to Financially Ever After Widowhood, the podcast where we empower women to take control of their financial future after the loss of a spouse. I'm your host, Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial, an award-winning and nationally recognized financial advisory firm. With the help of incredible guests, I'm ready to guide you through this challenging transition. Our special guest today is Holly Strizzling. Following a childhood of divorce and estrangement, the death of a close friend and several traumatic events, Holly started volunteering with hospice and at the hospital, cultivating a profound connection to and training in the art of dying and end-of-life care. After working for several years as an end-of-life doula, grief emerged as the most central theme in all her work with clients. And because of this, Holly became a certified advanced grief recovery method specialist and co-founded Taming Our Grief Ghosts, which is a series of workshops based on grief exploration and literacy. But it was the onset of COVID that really unfounded all of this and brought grief home to her. Not only the death of a loved one, but also her husband's very recent diagnosis with Alzheimer's. Holly was thrust back into that role of caregiver. And today we talk about the important role of caregiver, but even more importantly, how to find the support that you need. Holly talks about the many challenges of being a caregiver, and we tackle that today in our podcast, interviewing what I think is one of the most profoundly strong, giving, kind, and wise women that I've ever met. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest today, Holly Strasley. Well, Holly, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to be talking about how to care for others as a caregiver, but also how to care for yourself. I know that this is a topic that's really kind of close to heart for you, literally and figuratively. Can you tell me a little bit about your story and your journey Thank you very much again for including me because it's such a huge piece that's not addressed when we experience a death and a loss, and especially if we're caring for our most loved partners, and in some cases are not so much loved partners. You know, I think about my journey and I think about what I'm all about. And ever since I was a little girl, I always thought it would be such a wonderful thing if I could contribute to peace because I grew up with no peace. I was in a very, very dysfunctional family and really didn't know it until I was much older. But just remembering the knowing how our parents behaved and how they treated us, and then going through the journey of the flashbacks and then healing and then having the aneurysm and all those other things, as I got older and more aware of everything that had happened, it was glaring to me that all these experiences, no matter how horrible they were, really brought me to a place where I even wanted more peace. 
and to be able to facilitate that. So where was that going to manifest? That was going to manifest, which I believe was within myself first. You know, a little bit of the backstory. The house was turmoil. My father was a very prominent small town doctor that everybody loved. And because of all their emotional states, my mother was constantly sick and dying. At least that's what we were told. And so as a very little girl, I remember watching out over her, five years old, making sure she was breathing, making sure that my siblings had what they needed. Now we were blessed. We had resources. So I wasn't scrambling and having to go out and bake on the street, which happens a lot. But I just remember this whole thing of making yeah. sure everybody else was cared for, making sure that the kids had everything that they needed. And there were five of us, and I was the oldest daughter. So that just came with me throughout my life. Yeah. And now as an adult and, and really becoming aware of everything that had happened, it was even more important to me to be able to create some sort of haven for those around me. And I'm not perfect, you know, I mean, and my kids will tell you that. <laughs> but to be able to let everyone understand how important it was to really care for yourself first, because at the end of the day, we're really all we have. And in forming the end of life doula business, which started off as Healing Heart to Heart was my first LLC, and then going forward and forming the nonprofit Center for the Heart, again, it was about really communicating to everyone who reaches out to me how important it is to truly care for yourself first. And that looks very different for a lot of different people. And that's how I delve in and try to help them figure that out. Because once that happens, then no matter how horrific a situation might be, and we can even look at the war right now, if we're grounded and we're okay, no matter what's flying up around us, we're going to be able to create some sort of solace, some sort of peace for whomever that we encounter. You've really been in a caregiving position since you were very, very young with your mom, then making sure that your siblings were cared for. And now you are in a caregiving position with your spouse. How have you been able to keep yourself grounded? And I know that you actually have a two, two, two plan for caregiving. Is that part of your answer? And if so, can you explain more about that two, two, two plan for caregiving? I can. Again, it all starts with just a little bit of the backstory. When he was diagnosed, it was very difficult emotionally, more so than anything else. I started to flail and fall apart. So I spent a year truly grounding and working on my grief and working on all the past, any most significant emotional statements that had never been said because I knew he's going to slip and that's going to be it. So there's a lot of work that I did. And the grounding part for me literally was being in the ground. For me, it's nature. Spent that year, didn't matter what the season was, tilling the earth, doing whatever, planting, unplanting, trimming, doing all of that. But that's where I find my peace. In addition to that, I am a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, although we have a lot of religions in my family. We're Christians or we're Jews. We have some Buddhism flying around out there. So there's a lot of it going on. The practice for me is very much a somatic practice, which I truly believe 
is all of these emotions, all of these grievances house themselves inside of us. I know as a caregiver that if we don't unearth or just be aware of them and nurture whatever is there, then we too will get sick. So it is vitally important. In addition to that, you have to be realistic. So the 222 plan was literally a very logistical, oh my God, what if something happens to me and I need somebody right now for two hours? Who do I call? I'm stuck in traffic. The caregiver has to leave. I can't leave my husband alone. Who do I call? I have a person. What happens if now I've had an accident and I have to have surgery and I'm going to be out for a couple of days? Who do I call for two days? You know, so the two, two, two is like maybe it can change. It can be, what do I need? Who do I need for a couple hours? Who do I need for a couple of days? But then there's the two weeks. weeks. Exactly. So then it's the two weeks. Who do I call? Or what facility helps me find respite for him? So I've worked really hard in trying to pull that together. And let me tell you something. Honestly, I've hired a doula for myself because I can't do it all by myself. It's a lot of information to pull together. It's a lot of, then it turns very logistical. It's like, okay, gather all this information, make sure you've called all these people, but here's the plan, put it down. So I've created this book and I also have something called the Comfort Care Plan, which is huge. And we're just finishing that up now, but there's one, a general one for any illness, but then there's another one for Alzheimer's specific. But the information that has to be gathered, what happens if I die? What's going to happen to him? Well, I want to make sure that he is cared for exactly how he wants to be cared for and how I've been planning it, making sure that this happens and that this happens, that these are the type of people that you call and this is the person to call for this. So it's very extensive. Besides all of the legal and the financial, all that already I've put in place. To me, that was the easiest part. Then it was gathering. These are the doctors. This is who knows what. This is how he likes to be treated. This happens. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a lot of information to pull together. So Holly, what I'm hearing you do kind of as these steps is number one, pulling all the documents together, the financial information of where everything is, what things look like. Number two, getting the right team in place, the right team of Mm -hmm. doctors, the right group of people to help you. And I know your husband is dealing with Alzheimer's, but so many women listening, their husbands are dealing with Alzheimer's possibly, or maybe other things. And then the 222 plan of really mapping out what do I do if I need two hours of care and I can't give that to him or two days or two weeks. I want to talk a little bit more about how this has shown up for you because you recently were battling COVID. Yeah. What a big wake up call when you're the primary carer for your spouse. How did that show up for you? And how did you deal with feeling absolutely terrible yourself, but yet needing to care for someone who was depending on you? Exactly. That was scary. That was very scary because the problem with COVID is that no one can really come into the house, nor you can ask anyone. Right? That was the issue. For me, then, again, it becomes about that self-care and really being okay with, okay, so if he misses his morning meds this morning, it'll be okay. And knowing that that's okay. If it wasn't, it was literally, and there was part of this time, because I was down for a good solid five days, like I couldn't move. 
and he tried and he wanted to help, but the energy it took to explain that, I couldn't even do it. So literally gathered my strength and got up and did, okay, let's just do the meds. That's all that, that was the most important thing. Like if we can do that, right? We can do that and that's okay. And it's hard because my personality is I want everything to be taken care of and I want everything to be clean and I want everything to be done and I want to make sure that there's no place that he can trip on the floor. And I just had to just really let it go. I had to let it go because there was no way I could do anything about it. There was no way. I didn't have the physical strength. Uh, The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It was that. It was a huge wake-up call because then I thought, you know what? If something happens to me, who can step in and take over? Yeah. While you're talking about medical issues, I've definitely read about, and I don't know if any of you have heard this who are listening, but there's an actual term, technical term called caregiver strain. How that shows up is that spousal caregivers have a mortality risk that is 63% higher than those who are not caregivers. And so I'm sure any woman who is in your shoes caring for their spouse, this is not a number that they want to hear because, again, studies have shown that women who are caring for their spouse are more likely to have medical issues and, God forbid, even pass away. So what can she do that's hearing this saying, I don't want that to be me? Right. It's very individual. But the bottom line is, is to always remember that if we don't care for ourselves, then the whole ship will sink. It will Mm -hmm. sink. And we're going to go down with it. Again, you know, it depends on the individual. It depends on where they're at in their life, how old they are, how much work they've done on themselves, you know, what's going on, what kind of resources they have. I intuitively just have always known, and I used to say it as a young kid, and I never really understood what I was saying. And people would think I was being selfish, but I wasn't. The most important person is you, because it is. What does that look like for a person? You know, does that mean that if they are completely aware that they're crumbling, all sorts of physical things manifest? I mean, there for a while when I was not taking care of myself, I would go to bed and my heart would be racing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack, da, 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 you know, went to the doctor and the doctor was like, your heart's fine, but you need to manage your stress. So how does manage your stress look? Again, it's very individual. The person has to be able to First of all, be aware that there's something that could go wrong. Second of all, be open to finding what it is inside of you that's going to help you ground, whatever that is. If you're a religious person, it's at your church. If it's nature, it's nature. If it's just movement, it's movement. If you're living in New York City and you have no place to go, is it just walking around the block, grabbing a cup of hot tea, there's other things, yeah. you know, try to cut back on the caffeine, try not to drink too much. But, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, my God, they're in bed. I need a glass of wine. That's okay. But managing it and being aware and then knowing, yeah. like, okay, I need more help with this. What is that? For me, it was a ton of grief came up that really was unaddressed. I thought I'd worked on it all. I didn't. When he was diagnosed, it threw me for a loop. But what was happening, it was all the grief in the backpack. And I refer to a backpack of everything that's happened in your life from the day that you were born that was a loss. 
not just a death. It could have been a loss of anything, but it piles up. And somewhere in there is a trigger and delving in and identifying that. And that helped so much. That was the huge turning point for me in being able to function and be okay with his diagnosis and me continuing to take care of everything and to take care of the family and the business. And then knowing, all right, what are you going to cut back on? And what are you just going to let go of? Because it's okay. We're not going to lose ourselves. There's no way we're going to lose ourselves. We're performing a grave act of charity here, if you want to call it. And guess what? Somebody's going to do it for us one day because what we put into it, we're going to get it right back. Yeah, It always happens. Yeah. You talk about grief, and I think it's really important. The grief of when your spouse has been diagnosed, the grief of when you start to see the symptoms continue to go down that path, and even the grief at caregiving's end, where unfortunately he has passed away, your partner has passed away, and while there are newfound freedoms, there's just a huge amount of grief with that too. I would love for you to share a little bit more about what Center for the Heart is to help people with these different places of grief, just knowing that these are all normal and that it's okay, but you don't have to do it alone. And there's really no way we can do it alone. There's just no way. So Center for the Heart was formed when he was diagnosed because we really wanted to start to raise funds to be able to bring the services to everyone, to be able to donate to all sorts of terminal illnesses, Alzheimer's obviously being one, breast cancer being an, I mean, just so many, we've had so many people that have died and have struggled and there's just, they need support. So what kind of support do they need? There's end of life care. And end-of-life care is all about if someone is ill, trying to help them navigate through it and help them deal with which hospice to pick and what does imminent death look like and what kind of support do we need because the caregiver has to leave her children. So end-of-life care is also working with the family and helping take care of the children and the dogs. So there's all of that. And it takes them through the whole experience for whatever they need. Again, it's very individual. And it doesn't have to wait until that very critical moment where a person is freaked out now because their loved one is coming home from the hospital. There's nothing else that can be done. The grief is huge throughout this whole thing. The whole family, the adult children, the young children, the grandchildren, the person who's dying. But what's interesting is a lot of times that person that is dying is the most peaceful one. A lot of times. I'm not saying all the time. In addition, the grief, the center for the heart, what we do is I work with individuals and groups, but I like individuals better because we have this more direct one-on-one constant contact. But I take you through a process that literally looks at your life. And I'm going to just use me an example. So I have this life. It wasn't so fantastic. It definitely wasn't leave it to beaver. Well, for all those who know, leave it to Beaver. And I poo-pooed it. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But again, going back to that backpack, there were major losses. Besides the little things in life, you know, oh, my mom yelled at me or whatever. I'm left. Before that, she was constantly dying. So there's this backpack. And then for me, unfortunately, there was sexual abuse in the backpack. And 
high functioning, big jobs, doesn't matter. We can achieve like crazy. It's amazing how resilient we are. But then the big whammy for me was his diagnosis. And it just snapped like that. It's like so the backpack just opened, right? Just And everything, it. unzip the backpack, everything comes tumbling out. Everything comes tumbling out. And so through this process, we go, and it's an educational, slow process of identifying the losses yeah. and then work on the relationship, whatever the relationship is. So for example... I thought the relationship was that I wanted to work on my husband right now, but really what was showing up was another relationship. piece. Yeah. Exactly. So that gets worked on and it's like peeling this onion. And when I say work on, again, it is a process. There's a step-by-step -step process. We spend seven weeks, eight weeks sometimes with an individual to take them through the process. And by the time you're at the end, it's like this incredible veil has come off and you now understand that the myths of society about grief, where it's like, oh, just give it time. Oh, replace the loss. Oh, stay busy. No, you can't. No, that's just burying it and burying it and burying it yeah. and burying it. But by the time you have come and we create this very safe space, because the one thing that someone needs is to be able to be heard and seen in a very compassionate, non-judgmental space. And that's what needs to happen. So by doing that and letting them go through everything that they need to go through yeah. and this complete process, it's phenomenal. It changed my life personally. This process is what helped me get over the hump to be able to do what I do. Holly, I know we're coming up to time. So can you talk a little bit about how our listeners visit Center for the Heart? You can go to our website, Center for the Heart, www.centerfortheheart.com, and please connect with me there. If you're interested in just having a conversation about where you're at and what you think might work or what you want to explore, be more than happy to do that with you. And then we'll decide from there what works for you as an, and then continue to give them resources. I have a lot of resources. For all of you listening to know that we will put a link to Center for the Heart, all that great information that Holly shared as well. And I just have to second exactly what Holly's saying. There are so many great resources for you that it's a must visit. And Holly, I can't thank you enough for being thank here, you. for sharing your journey and also being, quite frankly, a beacon of light and hope for those who are going through some of their darkest days and you really are there to hear and to listen and to support. Just can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Thank you, Stacy. Please, you know, anything that I can do for any of your clientele, I'm here. Thank you. I really appreciate Holly with her very authentic story, sharing her own grief, her own challenges, and how she's paid it forward by creating Center for the Heart. This is a fantastic organization, which I really encourage you to look up. It provides compassionate end-of-life and grief support to all in need. And as a caregiver, it's a tough job. And one of the biggest challenges is dealing with all of the finances, the medical expenses, which seem to come from right, left, and center. If you have any questions about 
expenses, about where you are financially and what you need to be doing to make sure that you're on track for the long term, please do reach out. This is our superpower of working with caregivers, taking care of those who have terminal illness, and working with women whose husbands unfortunately passed away. We are here to support you, and you don't have to do this alone. So reach out to me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com, or you can visit our website, www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After Widowhood. If there's a question you'd love for us to answer on the podcast, we can do that for you. All you have to do is give us a call and the number is 347-682-5580. Let me say that again, 347-682-5580. Whether you're working with an advisor or you're maybe doing it on your own, we invite you to reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can email me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Our hope is to be a resource for you to help you also find a great financial advisor, whether that be with our firm or one of our trusted colleagues. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and join us next time on Financially Ever After Widowhood.